Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. I'm so thankful for people that write anointed music like that. Holy cow. I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit of Jesus comes to this church. Hey, welcome, everybody. I know he goes through the computer, too, so welcome, welcome everybody online. Happy Mother's Day. We're so excited everybody's here. Happy Mother's Day to those who are yet to be mothers, those who are mothers of people in heaven. Happy, mother, happy Mother's Day to everybody. We, we ought to be super thankful, extra thankful, every day thankful for our moms. Moms are some of the greatest gifts most of the time that God ever gives many of us. No matter how sweet you are, no matter how, um, what a great mom you had and how that affected you, no matter how much she demonstrated character, how much she demonstrated um, imperfections, whatever she was, she had pain too. Mamas have pain. No matter how strong they are, mamas have difficulty, mamas have hardship. We're going to talk about a mama today. We're going to talk about Hannah. And Hannah's going to give us some lessons for everybody. Everybody can learn from this. You don't need to be a mom to understand some of the difficulties of Hannah. But have you ever had a situation where you were really just, you, you really were hoping for something, you really were believing for something, and it seemed like it just, no matter what you did, it just wasn't going to happen? Maybe you even have, as, as in Hannah's case, you have even somebody that kind of like, points out the fact that it doesn't happen. Somebody who comes along and they're kind of like a rival and they kind of just keep telling you or showing you or by their presence or they keep implying or with passive aggressiveness, they keep kind of inserting the fact that, yeah, the thing that you want, I've got and you're never gonna have. You're never gonna be like me. You're never gonna be good like this. You're always gonna be missing this thing or that thing or the other thing. That's what Hannah's life is like when we meet her in today's story. Now, you gotta understand about Hannah She's kind of a really important girl, okay? She's one of these unique people. She's the mama of Samuel, and we don't all know who Samuel is, but Samuel's like one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. There's a lot of prophets that are kind of ornery, kind of mean, kind of, you know, strange. Samuel's one of the normalest and nicest of the prophets, and he comes after a long line of these horrible judges, comes Samuel, and he leads Israel into the time of King David, He's super cool, he's super dope, and he comes about because of a prayer request that wasn't seemingly being answered for this mama-to-be, but she didn't know if she was gonna be one or not, Hannah. We're gonna pick up Hannah's story, and I wanna encourage you to pay attention to the pain that she's going through, because I know many of us, you're going through pain, you're going through disappointments, and we've got to understand, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what somebody's destiny is. It doesn't matter how religious your family is. There's going to be pain. Let's look at some of Hannah's. We're going to pick it up in 1 Samuel 2, verse 2. And, okay, so when you're, when you're a pastor, like, you, you study a lot to get ready for messages, right? Okay, and sometimes when you're studying the Hebrew, you realize you've been mispronouncing things your whole doggone life, Okay. And so I'm going to tell you what the real pronunciations are, but then I'm going to go back to the English pronunciation because my mind just can't work that hard this morning trying to, trying to remember, you know, give me another three weeks and I could probably get it down, but this is going to be hard. So I always call him Elkanah, but his real name is Elkanah, okay? Elkanah, he always, he pronounced the na, okay? So 
we'll see if I slip into that a little bit, but Elkanah had two wives. One was called Hannah, but we're going to call her Hannah. And the other one was Peninnah, but I'm just going to call her Peninnah because that's, that's how I've rolled for so long. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. And this is going to seem really unfair because they're both married to Elkanah. And that, you know, that's just horribly painful. That should never be. And the Bible doesn't endorse polygamy, okay? Every episode of polygamy in the Bible, God endures it. God puts up with it for a time, but it always results in very painful circumstances. Jesus affirmed this is not what God wanted from the beginning. This is not the way it's supposed to go. Maybe you could say culturally it made sense in certain times because families were worried about the family continuing to live and they wanted to have as many babies as possible, but it was super unwise and they're, going, they're experiencing some of the pain right now. Peninnah can have babies and Hannah can't, and it's super discouraging. What she's going to find out, I'm just going to give you the bottom line right here, is that God honors women who learn to glorify him through patient, persevering prayer and worship. I'll say again, God honors the woman who learns to glorify him through patient, persevering prayer and worship. So she's, she's hurting, and she's got this person who lives with her that is always flaunting the fact. We're going to find out. She's always, like, bringing it up. She's always pointing out, I can have kids, you can't. And we'll see in a minute why that's such a big deal in this time, but let's keep going. Verse 3, year after year, this man, Elkanah, went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh. Okay, pause right there. Three times a year, all the Israelites had to make the trip to the tabernacle, which is like a temple tent. That's what they had. They didn't have a real uh, temple yet, so they just had this tabernacle. All the males have to go wherever they are in Israel. They have to make this trip, and so he would take his wives. He'd take all their stuff. They'd take their sacrifices, and they would go up to this temple, this tabernacle where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were the priests of the Lord. Okay, so here's, we're going to get into some of the themes. I wish, oh man, I wish we could just keep on going in, in 1 Samuel, but we can't. Um, we're going to go back to Misfit Messiah next week. But Hophni and Phinehas, they're not, gonna, they're not super important to this part of the story. They get important in the next part of the story. But here's what's up with them. These are two of the priest's sons, and they have a prominent place in the temple, but they're kind of villains, Okay, we're going to see these guys, you're asking the question when you see these guys, why are these guys here? Why are they allowed to do this? Their integrity is really low. And what we're going to see throughout this chapter and you see throughout the book is that God keeps explaining, I'm the God of great reversals. There's, there's times where for a season, it seems like evil is winning. It seems like foolishness is given prominence. But there comes a day when God is going to flip that thing around when God's going to pay everybody back, when God's going to pull down, even though it seems impossible, the ones who are low are going to be raised up and the ones who are high, if they were high on themselves, are going to be brought down. So that's one of the themes. There's, there's this great reversal coming for everybody who doesn't walk in integrity. That's really most of what you need to know for them. Let's move on to verse four. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Peninnah, and to all her sons, and daughters. This is kind of strange. They would take sacrifices. They would give some to be. They would give it to be sacrificed. The priests would be able to keep some, but then even what was sacrificed, they would give some back to the family. And so he would give her like the filet mignon. He'd give her the choicest cuts because he felt bad for Hannah that she can't have any babies. So you know, it's a little bit like if you brought a pizza to church and you gave me like you know a fourth of it, and then you gave the best piece to your favorite kid. It's a little bit like that. It's not really like that at all. I'm just giving you a, a contemporary example. 
But to Hannah was given a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. That's really important. And the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. So from the perspective of Hannah, she's thinking, okay, God has closed my womb. And here's Peninnah. Every time they even go in front of the Lord, this is, this is a provoking pain right here. Every time they go to Shiloh, every time they go to sacrifice, that's when Peninnah brings it up even more. She says, oh yeah, here we are about to worship God. And by the way, you can't even have kids, can you? Now remember in this time, it's a little different than now, maybe not much, but a little bit different. Part of the way a Jewish woman would have been, an Israelite woman would have been thinking about this is, this is one of the first commands. My job as a woman is to multiply and subdue the earth. I'm supposed to have babies. And they're much more dependent on their husbands then than many, most would be right now, okay? So they're, they're thinking about themselves. This is identity stuff. My function is to be able to have babies so that we can spread as a family and survive and not die. That's what she's thinking about. So when Penina brings up, yeah, you can't even have babies, can you? Part of her's gotta be thinking, yeah, like God doesn't even want to include me in his plan. I'm so, so rejected The God himself, the the, the assignment he gave all women, he doesn't give me. I'm excluded again. I'm excluded within this family, and God himself doesn't even want me to be a part of it. Can you see how, how difficult and painful that would be? Now, we know, she doesn't know this, God is sovereign, and he's placed all the circumstances just as they're supposed to be. But, but there's a message for us in that. Sometimes we've got circumstances that are really painful. They're like, well, this doesn't even seem fair. I feel like all the things that maybe other people get, I don't get. Maybe God's including some people and stuff that I don't get to be included in. Why is that happening? And we have to fall back on, we'll get more into it, but trusting in the sovereignty of God. Hey, if there's pain right now, there's a purpose in the pain. Somebody said there's a purpose in the pain. There's a purpose in the pain. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. And here comes comes Elkanah, like the dim husband, like most of us guys would say something like this. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? 10 sons? No, you moron, you don't. <laughs> yeah, I love you, but I'm not fulfilling my function right now. And so that's not very encouraging. You see how much pain she's in? She's weeping. Here's the pain of barrenness that we see in her. But maybe we've all got some different barrennesses that we're wondering, why hasn't anything happened with this yet? Why do I feel left out? Maybe you're a woman, you've been praying for your husband to come to know Christ for such a long time, and it seems like nothing. Or you've got a child that it seems like it doesn't matter what you do, nothing turns up. Maybe you've been praying and believing for a spouse, and it seems like, you know, I feel like all I've got is barrenness. It doesn't seem like anything works for me with regard to this. Maybe you've got this dream and you're like, I've been, you know, I believed this early on, but it's been so long. I'm just getting, just getting cynical. And I feel like God's never going to answer this prayer, though I've been believing for so many years. I got to tell you the truth. I'll just be a little vulnerable here. There have been many times over the years when I said, God, I don't know why you don't use me more than you do. I don't know why I feel barren sometimes. I feel like I, you know, and we, none of us see how God uses us in, in the fullness of the way he does. He keeps us blind to that, usually to keep us from pride. But even so, I'm, I'm, I'm praying, God, why don't you use me more than you do? And I remember last year during my sabbatical, as I was talking to him about this, and he just said, 
it's arrogant for you to think it should be you that I use. <laughs> Isn't that like God to say something like that? <laughs> like right in the belly, man. But it was so true, and it, that's helpful for me to have that perspective. Yes, I don't deserve anything from God. Fairness from God would be doing nothing for us. It would be only punishing our sin, but we don't get fairness. We get Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. We get Jesus instead. But maybe you too understand the pain. I, I can understand that truth. Okay, I, I shouldn't presume that God owes me fruitfulness, but I still understand the pain of fruitlessness or feeling barren at the very least. So what do we have here is we have this woman who is just, man, she's a woman of desperation. It's just, it just hurts, and she doesn't see how anything's ever going to change. Now, in 1 Samuel, one of the themes, and we see this in chapter 2, is God honors those who honor him. That's one of the things he's saying throughout the entire book. As you look at Saul and you look at David, God honors those who honor him. So let, let, let's just go to your first point here. The woman the Lord honors, or the man, or the boy, or the girl, the woman the Lord honors is, number one, worships from pain. Worships from pain. So Hannah has got a lot of pain, and she's in a family, but the very first thing, I don't know if you noticed that, the very first thing that it says about them, year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice. Her context is a painful thing, but her context is also, yeah, even so as a family, we worship. The number one thing we do, the first thing you, you need to know about us is we are gonna consistently worship. And that worship idea, man, the fact that this is uh, part of their spiritual DNA, this is a good seedbed for Samuel, this great prophet to come. He's going to come into this environment. But you know what else that tells us? You can be a very worshipful family and still have sin and dysfunction in your family. Like they're, they're not the perfect family. They're a prioritizing right family, but they're not the perfect family. And mamas and papas and teens and young adults, you don't have to have a perfect family, man. You don't have to have everything right. Often God is looking at the heart and he's looking for, yeah, but given your context, what are you doing? Given your per imperfect circumstances, given what I've given you, how are you doing with that? I don't need you to have somebody else's circumstances. I need you to have yours. I want to make sure that we don't hear, when we talk about worship, don't hear this family was, you know, they're just singing songs to the Lord because that wasn't really their understanding of worship. It's not that singing songs can't be worship, but worship in its purest expression isn't just singing songs. So let's make sure that we, we, we get this. When someone in the ancient Near East wanted to demonstrate honor to somebody, they were way more about like honoring one another than we are. And so they, if they saw someone that they considered to be more honorable than them, they would get down and they might bow. They might get all the way down. They might do something like that to demonstrate, you are more honorable than me. You are important. I recognize that you're a big deal, that you're an important deal. And so when the Lord tells the Israelites, do not bow down before any other gods. You shall have no other God but me. He's not literally just meaning don't bow. It's not about, it's not about their posture. He's saying don't recognize or acknowledge anybody else as superior other than me. Don't say that anything comes from another God. It all comes from me. It's not anybody else. I'm the one who did it. I created you. I created your nation. And so we gotta, we gotta get, get a revelation. When we come to worship, what we're doing is we're saying, God, I'm honoring and respecting and, and recognizing your superiority over me. You get to make the decisions. It's your universe, not my universe. 
You get to make the decisions. I'm deferential towards you. I'm saying you're God and I'm not. So we're not just like singing songs. Even when we come in and sing songs, there's a posture of our heart that we're doing. We're bowing down before, like picture yourself bowing down literally on the ground and saying, it's you, God. I respect you. Nobody else gets my devotion. Nobody else gets my affection like this. Nobody comes before you. Nobody is above you. You're the one. That's what we mean when we say worship. And that's the context where God is prominent. God is first. God is superior. God is everything. That's the family that she's in pain in. That, all that God being worshiped doesn't take away the pain. Now, I, you know, when I first read this, I'm like, I don't think that's as big a deal anymore. But turns out it is kind of still a big deal when someone is barren. So a study was done in 2021 by the CDC. I know that many of you are like, I don't know if I really think what the CDC thinks anymore. Yeah, fair. But nevertheless, in 2021, they did this study on infertility. And I'll just give you the stats here. So uh, with a, a, a group of women from the ages of 15 to 49, if they have not had any prior births, one-fifth of them, in a year's time, they can't get pregnant. They're considered infertile. That same group of people, uh, let's see, they, even if they have, or the same group of people, if they have a baby, 26% can't carry it to term. So this is still a big deal, but check this out. This is the one that kind of tripped me out. It was a different group, but they compared a, a group of women who you had been divorced and you had been infertile. And 63% said infertility was more painful than the divorce. That's a big deal to me because we support people in divorces in so many seen ways, at least. You know, there's support groups for divorced people and there's, you know, that, that, there's plenty of books and devotionals on divorce and how to help you get through your divorce. And yet with people that are infertile, we might say, hey man, count your blessings, yo. You got a lot going right with your life. And so you can see, there's a lot of women that would say, yeah, that sounds pretty hollow because this is more painful than a divorce. And maybe that's a little bit how Hannah was feeling. And in this, she's, she's supposed to worship. And this brings us to the reminder of God's providence. Do you remember God's providence? Remember what that is? That is God in a hidden way, in a way that we can't see. He is setting up your future blessing through things that seem accidental or random or at least indiscernible right now, there's things, ways he's setting you up to be blessed in the future. Everything, all of it, all of it is father filtered. God works everything together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You can't escape it. God right now is taking all the little things that you think, ah, I don't think that's from God. Yeah, even if it's not from God, it's still from God in a different sense because God is setting you up to be blessed in the future. There's a Puritan theologian from days past named Obadiah Sedgwick. He says this, no good man ever lacked anything that was good for him. I may lack a thing which is good, but not which is good for me. In other words, if God is holding something back from you, that thing that you think is good or that you think is good now, God is saying, it's not good now. It's not right right now. You shouldn't have it right now. And this is the place where God is calling people, calling us. He says, I know it's hard. I have compassion for you. I'm with you. I experienced all the temptations and difficulties as you did on planet earth. The son of God did. And yet I'm telling you, worship me. Worship me from the place where you are. Maybe you came from a really hurtful family like Hannah did. And you're like, I don't understand why other people got this awesome family and I got this really hard family. God says, I understand. Worship me. 
Maybe you're like, I don't know why I was so ill-prepared for some of the challenges that I've got now in life. What, what is this? And God says, I know that's hard. Worship me. I understand how it works together for you good. Maybe you're like disappointed with yourself. You're disappointed in others. And you're like, why am I so disappointed in all these people? And God says, worship me. Start from the place of worship. Worship from your pain. So Hannah goes into prayer. Verse nine, once they'd finished eating and drinking at Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. Man, that's a weepy prayer. You ever had a weepy, bitter prayer? This is, it's like a different, this isn't like God bless somebody. This is a like, ah, this is her soul puking out. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. Now what she's referencing there is a Nazarite vow. This was from number six. God said, if somebody really wants to, they can become what was called a Nazarite. That means you take a special vow, you can't cut your hair, you can't touch any dead bodies, and you're, you have a special set-apartness from God. You're saying, I want my life to count in a different way. And there's only a few people in the Bible who that was a lifelong thing, okay? John the Baptist, that was a lifelong Nazarite vow. Samson was supposed to be a lifelong Nazarite vow. And she, was, she says, Lord, I want this to be his whole life. If you will do this for me, I will give you back your servant to be used by you. So what do we know? The Lord, or the woman the Lord honors, number one, worships from pain. Number two, meets deep pain with prayer. She meets deep pain, deep pain. Do you have deep pain today? Dude, this isn't just a lesson, okay? This is not just a, a Sunday school Bible study. This is what God's word tells us to do. Do you have deep pain? Meet it with prayer. That's what God says. Start from worship. Meet it with prayer. Here's what, here's what doesn't help, just so we're all clear. You probably figured this out already, but just so you know. Here's what doesn't help. Complaining doesn't help. Whining doesn't help. Dreading doesn't help. Blaming somebody doesn't help. Really, really wishing doesn't help. Hoping it will get better doesn't help. You know what helps? God says prayer. Patient, persistent prayer and worship. That will help. And pour out your heart like Hannah did. Puke out your soul like Hannah did. You know what that means? That means you go through the whole thing and you feel all the emotions in the presence of Jesus. And you can't do that in 20 seconds, dude. You can't do that in a three-minute quiet time. Anybody got a junk drawer in your house or your apartment? Yeah. How many would be embarrassed if somebody saw what was in your junk drawer? Yeah. Wow, some of y'all must have really spick and span junk drawers. So with pouring out your heart before the Lord, this is what you do. You take the drunk drawer of your heart, all the stuff, and you just like throw it on the living room floor, all the stuff everywhere. And you start to pick through it with Jesus and you go through all of it. And you're like, see this? Yeah, this is how this feels. And then you find this, you're like, I don't know what the heck that was, Lord. You know, and you're just, you're going through all the stuff, but you're going through all of it. And you're just like, why is this? And here's this. And God, I need you to be God here. And God, I need your power on this thing. And it feels like a mess. And that's why sometimes we're so stressed and we're so emotionally jumbled because we stuck all of our stuff in a junk drawer and we shut the door and we never brought it out to process it with the Lord. And God says, dump that thing on the floor and let's go through it together. It'll take some time. But as, you, as you're taking your time, you're gonna find 
my presence calms your anxiety. You're going to find the fact that I know about it and you know that I know about it gives you a peace that surpasses all comprehension. You're going to find as you go through your junk drawer and you hear me whisper my words about that thing, suddenly you're going to be like, oh, maybe that's not the junk that I thought it was. Maybe that's a little bit more important or a little bit different than I once understood. Here's what we do, my friends. We pray where the pain is. You want to know how to pray? You want to like get better at praying? This is a real simple principle. Where's the pain? You pray where the pain is. Anywhere you've got pain, God is calling you to pray. He's saying, yeah, come pray about that thing. It'll either get healed or you'll contribute to when it will ultimately be answered or he'll speak something about it or he'll show you how to help somebody with that thing. Wherever you've got pain, don't waste your pain. Bring the junk drawer entirely to God and say, let's talk about this. And and you're gonna find this is why some of the pain because God is saying, I, I wanna steer you. I'm using that pain to steer you into prayer because as you get into prayer, I'm gonna shape you. See, this is what we don't understand. God actually gives us desires and those desires won't come about until we pray. And he says, I want you to pray so you get the thing, but actually what I'm trying to get you is to become a different thing that now has that thing. You can't have the thing until you become a different thing and you don't become a different thing until you pray about all the things. Are we hearing that? That was a lot of things. In other words, my friends, God is about the process of transformation, not just answering your prayer. But he knows if I give you this thing now, the version you are, you're not gonna handle it well. You're not gonna value it the way you're supposed to, or you're not gonna treat people the right way with it. So I need to, by prayer, shape your character and change you and metamorphosize you into an entirely different thing that then can actually handle the thing that you're asking for, or it'll be the right time or the right season. And all of this, it just requires time. It requires like time in the sense of, yes, maybe months or years because there's a lot to put together, but it requires just time in God's presence. See, this is where, I mean, uh, guys, we're trying to like have all that God wants for us in five minute quiet times. I'm not trying to offend you, but hello, are you mental? Like that's never gonna work. The reason you have pain is because God is trying to draw you into his presence. He says, I want to give you the stuff, but if you need to be this, that, in every place on earth, and you need to be constantly distracted by social media or whatever else, you're never going to have what God wants you to have because you're never in the place where you purchase that thing in prayer. So we, we just got to get a vision for what this thing is. I've got a friend named Adam. Some of you know Adam. Adam Bits. I've got another friend named Jose. These guys know what to do with tools, Okay. When I have a problem, they come over. And they'll, they'll bring into the house all kinds of stuff. I don't even know what this thing is. Like they're bringing in stuff. I'm like, I ain't never seen that. I don't know what you do with that thing. You know, I'm a little bit intimidated because I'm not a handy guy. Like that's not my thing. I love other men that do that kind of thing and gals too. And so they'll bring stuff in and I'm like, I don't know what to do. But then, you know, a couple hours later, this whole project will be done. It'll be beautiful and smooth and the thing works. Unlike when I messed with it. And he's got, he's got tools that I don't understand, but you know, he'll shape something here or he'll replay something here and fasten it with this thing. And I don't really know what these tools are for. I just know they're his tools and he knows what they're for. A lot of our pain in our life is God's tools. God is using, and we don't know what his tools are for. I don't even understand what Adam is building. We don't even understand what God is building. 
You don't understand how God is trying to assemble things in the right way to make you who he wants you to be, to be able to give you everything he wants you to have. Years ago when I was in my early 20s, I worked at Staples and me and another guy were in charge of putting, you know, the furniture, like you'll walk around Staples or Office Max, you'll see like, oh, there's all the desks and there's the different things. Somebody put that together. That was us. We were putting those things together. And occasionally we would get through, like we had a, so we, we, we get our instructions and we lay out all the things on the floor and we're putting this thing together. And yet we're not real eager to look at the instructions because we're men, okay? And we're like, probably I'll figure this out, okay? And then we get the thing built, but there's like two or three pieces over here. And we're like, huh, I feel like this is supposed to be in that thing somewhere, okay? That's the problem with our own wisdom. That's why God says, just let me use my tools to build it the way it's supposed to be because you're, you'll get it out of order. Some of us are like, God, why didn't you send the thing yet? And he says, because we're not at that step in the instructions. I know what I'm building. It's way better than what you would build. In fact, if you could see what I was building, you'd trash all your plans to get mine because mine is so much better than yours. But we have to go at my pace. We have to do step by step according to the way God wants it done, not the way you think it should be done because at the end of the day, the truth is, you don't know. God, know. God has wisdom about the timing of things. And so God keeps us waiting. He kept Hannah waiting until the right time. You say, well, what about the devil? Isn't, what if the devil's keeping me from something? Yeah, possible, but if you go to prayer, that becomes not an issue, okay? Can I tell you something about the devil? Let me tell you. The devil cannot untie your shoe without God's permission, okay? The devil can't do nothing unless God allows him to do it. Even the pigs, devils couldn't go into pigs without Jesus giving his permission. He's not gonna let the devil wreak havoc on your life unless it's part of his divine instruction plan. And if you go into the presence of God, everything the devil's trying to work, is gonna be frustrated, it's not gonna work, and God's assembly is still gonna come together. Somebody ought to say, bless God for Mother's Day preaching. Thank you, Marilyn. She got my back. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Hey, I got two. I'll take two. Let's go. Okay. Verse 12. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. And he said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Don't take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here with great anguish and grief. Talk about pain now. So she's not only has her rival, Penina, but now the one place she should be receiving like some kind of encouragement or some kind of affection, this dude is so undiscerning. This is, see, this is Hophni and Phineas' father. And, and part of what the text is trying to say is he's an undiscerning leader. He doesn't like, he just jumps to his own conclusions. He's in the flesh. He doesn't have the heart and mind of God. And yet, sometimes for us, you're gonna have leaders, maybe even spiritual leaders that you're like, how are you so dumb? How do you not know what's happening here? And I don't know what to tell you other than say, people are fallen. Jesus is the only one who's not fallen. People get it wrong. But either way, God still uses our leaders and he uses spiritual leaders. And Hannah is going to realize, hey, I know the dude's kind of a kook, but even so, 
God still uses him. And you can think about that even with regard to what goes on with major church scandals today. Yeah, dude, I'm sorry. Sometimes people fall and they make mistakes and, and they really misrepresent or underrepresent God in so many ways. And it's sad and it sucks. And this guy's about to be removed from office and like God does clean his own house from time to time. At the same time, he's super patient and he gives people time to repent and turn from him. But what you and I need to know is the same thing that Hannah needed to know. And that is, here we go with number three, women the Lord honors. Number three, believes God will handle what she cannot. She doesn't need to handle Eli, okay? Think about it this way. You don't need to be, you don't need people to be smart for God to be smart. Think about some of the people in your life. You're like, why? Why are they in the way here? Why are they not helping me out here? Why are they so making this thing harder? And you just need to hear the Holy Spirit say, you don't need them to be smart for me to be smart. I know how to assemble this thing. I can use a dumb thing. Not that God actually thinks they're dumb, but God can use a dumb thing to create a wise thing. God knows how to get this done. And what we need to do is do like Hannah and just say, I believe God will handle what I cannot. So Eli hears that he's wrong and he says, okay, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. And she said, may your servant, she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. And she went on her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. In other words, she hears what the priest says and she says, oh, you're saying God's gonna do this for me? Well, great, I'm gonna go eat. You know, she's done. She's like, let's, let's get to that filet mignon now. Cool. In other words, she believed and let it go. She believed and let it go. It was no less. She was like, oh, hey, it's a done deal. I heard somehow through the Holy Ghost, through the spiritual leader, somehow there was a word from God that my spirit said, God says, I heard you, I'm on it, you can let it go. Just wait for my timing. And that's what she does. She starts whistling as she makes her way back and she has the faith to let it go. My God is on the case. I don't need to worry about it. She had the faith to let it go. She had the faith to trust that God was using the priest. Now let's talk about the priest for a second. He was a fallen priest. He was a messed up priest. Jesus is the real priest. Jesus is the faithful high priest. Jesus is the, is the priest that was tempted in every way, just the same as you and I are, yet without sin. Jesus is the priest that you get. Every, she kept praying, Lord, remember me. Remember what I'm praying for. Jesus always remembers. Jesus will never forget. If you've brought Jesus something, he remembers what it was. It doesn't matter if it was 20, 40 60 years ago, Jesus remembers what it was. He will not forget to remember you. And he's the faithful and perfect high priest. And he's tender with your heart. Eli was kind of abrasive. Eli didn't understand it. Eli didn't get it. Jesus will always be tender and understanding with your heart. And our faith can be in a better priest than hers is. And, and it's just like the gospel. See, what happens with Jesus? Jesus takes care of what you can't take care of. That's the entire gospel. Jesus says, you have a sin problem that you cannot fix. At great personal cost and suffering to me, I will come fix it. There's nothing you have to do. Let me just take care of it. That's the gospel. And that's the gospel when we pray. Jesus says, I understand that you have things you need done. You don't deserve for them to be done, but I'm gonna do them because I love you more than you can possibly understand. But it's all by grace. And it's all because of the shed blood of Jesus. The reason, let's say it this way, the reason God answers even one of our prayers is because of Jesus's obedience. Every prayer you've ever prayed, if it was answered, it was answered because the Father loves the Son. 
and the son gave you his very own record to give to the father. That's why the father looks at that and says, oh, okay, well, you're in Christ. Yes, I would answer the prayer for my son. I'll answer the prayer for you. Now it's gonna get a little weird. It was faith, verse 19. Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord and they went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. It was faith when she made love to her husband. It was faith when she made love to her husband. I had about five jokes for this moment in the sermon and none of them went well. So we're gonna move past all of them, okay? I'm so tempted right now, but I know that some of you will be like, I can't believe we did that in church. So we're just not even gonna say it. But what I am gonna say is God uses natural processes. Sometimes we're waiting on God to like do something supernatural, but we're just sitting there. Like we're just like, well, I pray now I need God to do a miracle and just, you know, send manna from heaven or something. And God does do miracles and we should pray for miracles. But do you know that most of the time God uses natural processes of you and I being responsible and fulfilling our duties to answer our prayers. That's how he normally does it. We, we don't even see it coming. I'm just doing my normal thing and boom, there it was. That's how he did it with Hannah. He was like, hey, just go make love to your husband and now it's gonna work. Now this baby's going to come. And so many of us, we need to remember, I'm gonna let it go, but that doesn't mean just sit there. I'm gonna go on doing what is responsible, what is smart, I'm gonna grow in wisdom, I'm gonna grow in health, I'm gonna keep on going. And mamas, can I just tell you, as you just consistently, just consistently love your kids, consistently love your family, you're not gonna get everything right, but consistency is so powerful. Just keep going and doing the natural, normal thing. And they're gonna remember your walk. They're gonna remember your modeling. They're gonna remember certain things that you said that you have no idea that you ever said or did. Just like probably most of us can remember things or your parents did or said that they don't remember, but you remember, and it was a powerful shaping thing. God says, let it go and just be faithful. Just do the thing. You don't have to do it perfect. Just do it and I'll show up and I'll bless it. Come on, somebody. So when you're feeling like, hey man, I'm old and I don't know who's gonna take care of my family after a certain number of years, you just let it go and do what you're supposed to do and God will take care of it. When you say, I don't know why I came from this family. I feel like this might jack up some things. You just do your best with your family. You do your best with everything that's coming after you and God will take care of it. You don't have to do it perfect, but God will do it. Maybe you're, you know, you're a teenager and your parents say some things and you're like, I don't know how I'm supposed to submit to that. Can I just tell you, submit to it anyway. Because as, you, as you're just faithful, God will reward you. God will come in with honor. God will come in with a great reversal. Verse 20, here's the last verse. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel saying, because I asked the Lord for him. She became pregnant in the course of time. And what she does next after, after this part in the story after a couple years, she takes the child back to the temple and she gives him to the Lord. And he stays there and he grows up at the temple, tabernacle, and he becomes this great prophet, great man of God. But there was a lot of faith for her to let him go. What does she believe? Probably the Lord is now open by womb. I can have more kids. I'm gonna keep right on going. But I'm gonna leave this one with God because I believe he's got an astounding, better assembly plan than I could possibly have and so she leaves it with him. And she does what is right through prayer, through worship, and long-term perseverance. She bears the fruit God wanted. And then something happens. 
And this is one of the themes of 1 Samuel. This is supposed to be one of the themes of your and my life. Vindication happens because of long-term prayer and obedience. Vindication happens. Think about this. Right now, 3,000 years later, we are talking about Hannah and her faith walk and her prayer walk. And you know what we think of Peninnah? This shrew that just kept teasing her, that she's talking about how much she's got and she's got all this power and the power of the flesh. All we think about her is ah, that villain. She's, her function is villain in the Bible. That's what she is. That's a vindication of Hannah. That's a flip around. That's a reversal. God says, I'm gonna bring low what was high. I, I wanna encourage you this week to go into 1 Samuel, go into chapter two, because right after this, Hannah writes a song and she starts going off. She starts going off about, this is my God. He takes the weak and makes them strong. He takes the hidden and obscure and he makes them prominent. God steps in for people that trust him, people that put him first. Yes, it will seem like evil's winning for a minute, but then God will come in and he'll reverse the whole thing and he'll set up what everybody understands is that was God's vindication. That was God's favor. See, the world can applaud us, but only for a limited time. God's applause is forever. And when God gets everybody to applaud you, that's forever. That's what God is after for all of us. So he says, hey, precious, you keep on trusting God. You keep on persevering. You keep on worshiping from pain. Uh, it's gonna pay off. You keep on praying from pain. Uh, it's gonna pay off. And you keep on just saying, my God is sovereign. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to build the whole thing. I'm going to end my heart, let it go and praise him and keep right on walking. And my God is gonna come through and vindicate the whole doggone thing. Woman of God, you keep on going now. Look, your family needs you to go. Your future family needs to go. Your friends need you to go. Your church community needs you to go. You keep on believing. You don't give up now. Don't listen to Penina. You say, hey, that pain someday, it's just gonna be a memory. And I'm gonna stand back on the top of the mountain of the Lord and say, well, God really did keep all of his promises and I am vindicated because I trusted God when it was really, really hard. Let's pray. God, we just, you know, in our hearts, we just kind of bow right now. We get down on our face and we say, you are superior and you are all wise and you are all good and you're the one who knows and we don't know. And you're so awesome because you alone have the power to reverse things. You alone have the power to take something that looks completely dark and dim and forgotten and make it bright and beautiful and on display for all your enemies to see. God, I pray for everyone within the sound of my voice right now, as hard as it is, I pray that you would give us the grace to worship you from pain and to pray in the midst of deep pain and to realize there's something you're trying to do more than just answer the prayer. You're trying to answer who we're supposed to become. And Father, in Jesus' name, for many of us who are, we're kind of reasoning, we're going through a million plans, I pray that you would help us to pray and then let it go. Believe and move on. Get up and go eat because our God is on the case. In Christ's name. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button,
button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.